Hello, Internet. My name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, or Spamoman. As always, your host of Drink to the Past, and this is my glorious co-host. Chris has the podcast notes open so he can see what I was supposed to say for the opening monologue, but I forgot because I don't have the notes open. Audette. Hi, I'm Chris. White people have trouble with ethnic food, Audette. And, uh, let's see. Is that is that a kosher opening? Too late. I already did it live. I mean, I guess, right? We're live. You can't. We can't. We can't go back down, Chris. <laughs> <I> go back. <laughs> right. Um. But yeah. Uh. So, um. That is kind of funny that I like like I just saw a meme earlier today that was about like, uh, some angry old white dude went into Home Depot and was like complaining that some Mexican guy was selling tamales in the parking lot out of the back of his car and bothering people and, start. and and i guess the manager that took this complaint was like okay i'll go see what i can do and, and went out to the car and bought three tamales <laughs> and i was like tamales are delicious as yeah. a white guy the best fucking tamales i have ever had came from some random mexican person in a parking lot mine was at walmart so yeah Oh, uh, Seamus the Kilted Gamer says, uh, did he miss the exclusive YouTube content? Uh, well, I suppose you can, uh, always rewind the video and see. Basically, all that was exclusive this week was technical difficulties. Uh, however, uh, since we did forget the bagpipes last week, I am gonna do some, uh, bagpipes this week, uh, to make up. So, um, yeah, uh, what's your favorite bagpipe tune, Chris? Well, uh... Do you know? I have literally? a favorite bag. I know <laughs> no bag type other than the bag type pipe that you play. Nothing. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, in that I know. Case, I know zero about that. I guess I'll play the lion sleeps tonight instead of something normal. There you go. That's not what you were expecting, were you? Hey, Babylon is on. Uh, he's a buddy of mine on Twitter. Good to see you, Babylon. I assume that's the same Babylon. I, I am not sure how many people use the 
screen name Babylon, so I guess it could technically be a different guy. And if you are a different guy, then welcome to you either way. Uh, glad to have people here in the live audience. So uh, Chris is going to introduce the topics this week as we get started, uh, because I have Halo open and I'm going to start streaming Halo now. And an interesting thing about streaming Halo is that I'm literally streaming Halo. Uh, You're streaming and streaming. I, I am streaming, streaming and streaming. Yeah, so you are watching a stream of a stream. Streamception. Uh, but before we get into that, we're getting into our beer of the week is Tommy Knocker Brewing Company's uh, Drift Blonde. Uh, I like Tommy Knocker pretty well. Um, the guy that runs, or the guy that founded and wrote all the beer recipes for Golden City Brewery, uh, helped uh, them out when they were starting. And I don't know how many of his recipes they still use, but when they opened, they used some of his recipes. And now they're one of the biggest craft breweries in Colorado. So, uh, yeah, this is a pretty good one. I had one of these earlier this week. It's been a couple of hot days here in uh, the Denver area. So it's a good warm summer night beer for a podcast. All right. So anyways, yeah, I thought I... Th so basically the story behind this is that now game streaming is available from for Xbox Game Pass users in beta for PC. So I'm on my PC now instead of my phone. I have done the game streaming on my phone and it works decently well. Uh, so I'm just curious to check out uh, Halo for PC as uh, streaming. So hopefully this will go well. All right, and Chris will introduce the topics. All right, uh, but before we introduce any topics, uh What's your plan other Absolutely. than Halo? I have an interesting story about that as well because something cool came in the mail. Bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum. I got Shante for the Game Boy Color. Like a badass. Yeah, yeah so uh, um, I thought that was pretty cool. I'm going to fix something on the stream here. I just know that There, that looks better. Um, but yeah, uh, so I haven't played a ton of this, but I've got up to the first dungeon and I've dicked around in the first dungeon for a little while and then died and then it brings you back to your save. Uh, but it's uh, it's uh, very interesting to go back and, and check this out uh, on the original hardware. The, the pixel art really reminds me of like modern retro style games where they're like you know, technology nowadays is, like, way beyond what it was, so pixel art is easier to make more detailed and things like that, I think, nowadays. Uh, so I feel like just in general, when you see pixel art, uh, it looks better today than it did in the early 2000s. But this is definitely ex an exception. I feel like all of the pixel art in this game so far that I've seen is, like, really just top-notch, like hard to believe that it's actually running on my Game Boy Color, uh, of all things. So, uh, it's very impressive graphically for the generation that it came out. Uh, and as well, something that I thought was cool is, uh, something that people praise Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze for all the time, where, like, all of the, uh, all of the like environments for platforming seem to actually like make sense within the context of the world uh and so for again for a game boy color game i think that's 
just kind of a neat little feature that like it it seems like way ahead of its time because most platformers are like you know it's just like here's some platforms just cuz cuz it's a platformer uh but with this one it's uh it's pretty cool uh that just everything seems like an actual like integrated into part of the world so really good game design you've played this haven't you chris uh that's a it's funny cuz i played some of the sequels but mm. I never actually played, got a chance to play the original. It was kind of, it was already a cult classic kind of by the time I found out about it, and I was like, ooh, I want to play this, and then mm. just never had the opportunity. Uh, so I, I'm, I was super interested to see that you were, that you got it and you were into it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I definitely recommend picking that up. Maybe not on Game Boy Color, obviously, because, like, an original Game Boy Color cartridge is ridiculously expensive now. I bet the limited run is probably going to get up there, but not as expensive, because, again, it was just a, a one-off run if you happen to pre-order it at the time. Uh, I'm standing on the yellow square, you dick. There we go. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's been a really cool experience uh so i i would i would recommend it if you're into that kind of uh like it, it's a like lightly metroidvania e it's not like so far there's not as much backtracking it's it's hard to compare because i'm not that far into it but so far it doesn't seem like there's going to be as much backtracking as in like a metroidvania but it still feels like the exploration doesn't suck so I'm good with that. What beer are you yeah, drinking, Chris? You forgot to tell us. I forgot to tell you. Well, it's the Chai Milk Stout from Left Hand Brewing Company, because I still have, you know, mm -hmm. that variety pack in my fridge. Um, no, This is, like, tasting pretty tasty on tonight, uh, this night right here. Yeah. Uh, which, which one did you say from? Chai Milk Stout from Chai? a... From Left Hand Brewing Company. From Left Hand, okay. Uh, yeah. Chai Milk Stouts are interesting. Um, I feel like this shield generating thing takes a lot longer than it used to. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, chai Milk Stouts are interesting because I feel like the first one that really got popular was from Spice Trade, uh, which is here in Colorado. Uh, you might know it as the Yak and Yeti, Chris, is the Indian restaurant that also opened up a brewery. And now they actually, the brewery is fairly large and well-renowned. Uh, and they were one of the first ones. And for a little while, like, you'd see a ton of different um, Chai Milk Stouts, but they've... It's. I feel like it was a fad that's more or less past now, so they, you don't see them very much anymore. Look, the kinda, are all dying. I, I have enjoyed the chai milk stouts I've had from. Uh, uh, yeah, the one at Yak. I've enjoyed that one. Yeah, that one's really good. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just like a good combination of flavors. Mm-hmm. So, let's see here. And, uh, as for what I've been playing, other than Dota 2, uh, is I actually recently picked up Pathfinder Kingmaker, because apparently that's out of that awkward phase that every PC game goes through, where for the first year it's just completely broken. Uh, like, technically. Huh. Uh, so, 
I started, I just have been playing that a little bit, but I've already been having quite a bit of fun with it. It's already got, like, a lot of detail. Cool. So. Yeah, I feel like I vaguely remember seeing an advertisement for that and being like, hey, look, Pathfinder, and then I forgot all about it until exactly <laughs> this moment. Yeah. My, my only dislike of the game so far is uh, it doesn't allow me to choose the absolute most broken options that are in the tabletop game. Mm -hmm. Because, because they decided to balance it and not let you be a cheesy fuck. Yeah, they're they're not letting me pick a like Ramzirin false priest or like synthesis summoner or anything like that. I, mm -hmm. I guess they're just not. It's just not kosher. I guess. Right. Uh, let's see. And uh, of course, Dota two, which I've been playing more than is healthy because. That game will drive men mad. Nice. It's more fun that way, right? Yes. It is. Uh. Unless you got anything else you've been playing. Oh, not specifically. A little more Ghost of Tsushima, but I've talked plenty about that, so. Alright. Let's see. We'll move on to the news and booze. Which you could play an intro or we could just listen could to the sound of gunfire. I feel like I need to play an intro because we forgot the bagpipes last week. So, uh, yeah. So let me duck in a corner here for a second. Does it tell me what intro I use for news and booze? Hammered bros. Hammered bros. down so i'm getting done just in time i think there's a guy over here Blam. go away so let's see uh first piece of news and booze matthew griffin of the marketing and publishing team for hollow knight says silk song will not have any presence at e3 yeah so this is one of those things where it's not a big deal to me but uh i know hollow knight has a large following uh, for an indie game, and a lot of people, like, since they announced Silksong, have just been like, are you gonna show it to us? When When's it coming out? When are you getting new information? And, like, since the reveal trailer, like, I wanna say that was almost two years ago, uh, there's literally just been no information dropped on this game, so uh, I think it's kinda it's kinda nice for fans at least, that they know, okay, don't get too hyped up if that's the game you're really hyped for you know it's don't expect this yeah which it's i kind of look at it they're taking their time with it they're gonna make a quality product i respect that I think yeah it's a it's a the whole hey they're, they're doing better at communicating than pretty much every triple a company out there right yeah. uh b they're doing the old nintendo thing uh, a delayed game is eventually good but a rushed game is forever bad yep and I'm like, I'm all for, uh, I'm all for game devs taking their time if it makes a better, you know, piece of art. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah, let's see. Next piece of news and booze. Skyward so 
Sword, Zelda amiibo revealed, functionality allows you to warp between the surface and the sky at any point instead of having to travel back up to specific places. Wow, they needed a whole fucking amiibo for this? Yeah, this is where the story comes in, because, like, the internet is not happy with this shit. Because it's like, that's a neat little quality of life feature. I would be glad to hear they had put that in the game if you didn't have to buy... It's not just, like... A regular amiibo too it's a big amiibo because it's got zelda and the loft wing and it's msrping at 25 bucks it's a big expensive amiibo right it's, i see it so you're i would be like 25 bucks for any piece of like physical you know just physical crap like a statue or something i was like sure whatever yeah so uh, people can charge whatever they want for that if people pay like yeah, I, I don't necessarily think the 16. price is, like, unjustified for what it is, because, like, I mean, I paid 20 bucks for my giant-ass Detective Pikachu amiibo, so, you know, I'm not worried about that. But, like, the fact that they're locking this particular kind of feature behind a $25 amiibo, like, I don't feel like the game content is worth 25 bucks. And I feel like if you're going to add this sort of game content, I don't see why it has to be locked behind an amiibo. And I'm like, I'm not that upset by this, because I'm like, I know how I played Skyward Sword both of the times I've beat the game, is I went through and, like, I went on the surface until I was done, and then I went back. I don't think this is going to be, like, a a huge change like i don't i don't even think this is going to be half as useful as the swift sale was in the remake of the wind waker i think it's going to be nice but like it's honestly not worth paying extra money for in my opinion like at all so well, they like, should have they should have just had it added it to the skyward sword remake yeah it shouldn't be it shouldn't be on an amiibo at all it should just be part of the game yeah putting this behind a quality of life feature behind uh almost like a get like a gimmick or like a high price point like this mm -hmm. is ridiculous yeah it, it, uh not well done nintendo bad the amiibo is cool and if you collect amiibos go check them out because i'm sure it'll sell out quick because it's a fucking zelda amiibo but, yeah, it's... I feel like it's just a weird tactic. I don't understand entirely the, you know... I, I feel like they're kind of in a hard place to give Amiibo owners, like, justification in-game for buying the Amiibo. But at the same time, I buy Amiibos because I get, like, a cool little mini statue. I don't give a shit what it does in the game. I barely use my Amiibo. Like, the only thing that i really was gung-ho about using amiibos for was when i got skyrim i scanned a crap load of my zelda amiibos just over and over again until i found the master sword <laughs> that's all i gave a shit about and like even so like it's not why i bought those amiibos i bought them because i wanted a cool statue of link or zelda or the guardian or whatever you know yeah they're like an inexpensive inexpensive collectible statue thing it's like i've always wanted to collect like fancy ass statues like first four but a i don't have the bunny and b my kids would fucking destroy it so i'm not doing that and this is like a good middle ground where it's like it's an inexpensive price point 
and the statues are like they're they're decent quality especially the newer ones like the images of this zelda one look fucking gorgeous i'm like this is great quality for what it is at that price point i'm like can't really complain you know this game is giving me so many fucking bullets in this level it's not even funny like usually i would like take out the grunts from afar with my pistol but i feel like i've just What's got so many bullets that <laughs> why do i have so many bullets I'm not totally, like, it's, I'm not really complaining, but, like, so many bullets. I do kind of love, one of the things I love about Halo 1 as opposed to the rest of the series is, um, that the assault rifle could hold 60 rounds, so you can just, like, shoot forever. And you can hold, like, a buttload of rounds in your shotgun, too, and stuff like that. Halo 1 is just my favorite. Actually, this is running surprisingly well, too. Um, yeah, the stream quality is actually yeah, fairly acceptable. I feel like playing it is... It's still, like, the latency makes it noticeably not as good as running it on your hardware, but it's not as noticeable as it is on my smartphone, just off of Wi-Fi. I have good Wi-Fi and I have good 5G. This my PC here is obviously probably more powerful than my smartphone because uh, you know SSDs are cool, and uh, and I got a hardwire connection. So I f I feel like those things are probably largely what's going into just making the stream quality overall better uh, than on the phone. Which it's like I'm just astounded that it works on my phone. Because after the shit show that was trying to stream on Google Stadia, I was like, oh man, this is like, not gonna work. And then, like, on Xbox, it actually works pretty good. And now it's working even fucking better. And I'm just fine with that. Uh, we next piece of news and boost here. Yeah. Let's get it. The Mega Man The Wily Wars getting its first U.S. release via limited run games for Sega Genesis. Yeah, I should say uh, first uh, physical release. So The Wily Wars is basically a remake of Mega Man 1, 2, and 3, I think. And uh, it came out for Sega Genesis uh, in Japan and Europe, but never before in America. It's come out uh, in, like, I think it's on the Sega Genesis Mini and... I think it might have been like digitally distributed once, but yeah, uh, so it's available through limited run games. Uh, if you want an original Sega Genesis cartridge for this game, which I think is neat. I'm a guy that just literally bought a fucking game for Game Boy Color, so I feel like there's a market out there for this. I'm not big into Mega Man. I feel like this is cool, but I, I really suck at Mega Man, so. Not for me, but what do you think about, like, retro games that were never coming out stateside getting released on the original hardware? Because uh, I feel like this is a weird but kind of cool thing. It, it, I, I would prefer that they also, you know, release the original, build some more of the original system. It's it's Otherwise, it's just like a weird collector's item for... It is kind of. Like it's a lot like, of the younger people. Yeah, it's like, if you have the hardware, then, yeah, sure, this would be pretty cool. Like, I still have my Game Boy Color. I still play Pokemon Blue every so often. And I'm like, 
yeah, I'll totally buy Shantae on that, but I feel like that's kind of a niche thing, you know? Yeah. I'd really love to see more PC ports of these old games, but that's uh, that that's me being the PC gamer that I am. Yeah, you know. Uh, but the baffling thing to me here was uh, the Sega Genesis. I, I never realized that uh, Mega Man came out for Sega Genesis, any Mega Man game. I mean, in the States, it didn't. I don't know if any other yeah. game came out in the States for Genesis or not. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a huge Mega Man guy. So, oh, we got a couple of comments that I haven't been reading because I've been shooting shit. Um, so let's see if there's anything cool. Um, yeah, Babylon is saying for the game and unlocked a quality of life update for a 10-year-old game, 85 bucks is frustrating. I, I get that, you know. Uh, and, uh... I mean, I can't help but agree. It's yeah, just, pretty much. They should, they could do better, right and they're not. That's annoying. I can't scroll down on the comments, so comment some more, and then I'll read some more comments, because I can't read the bottom of them for some reason, because it won't let me scroll. Uh, anyways. Ah, what happened? Oh, apparently uh, I got to the end of the mission. Sweet. Yay. Let's see. So, uh... Maybe now's the right time to bring up this weird piece of news and booze mm -hmm. uh, that I did not write down. Probably should have. AI Dungeon instituted an anti-pedophilia filter that does not funk that rather than preventing, you know, people using their their game for uh, preventing people from using their game for writing pedophile stories, it uh, prevents people from using their game for most things and it's been instituted for a while now so it looks like they and they they're sticking to their guns on it so they've broken an awful lot of their functionality in the game. Huh. and uh so it's just supposed to prevent it's supposed to prevent like pedophile stories right I, I can see the reasoning behind that, but it... it I'm like, that's understandable. Yeah, but it, it seems that. to have broke the whole game, basically? It seems... So, you can't mention anything... If you mention the num any number lower than 18, it'll stop you from continuing to play. Because it stops you, and then they go through and they actually read your stories you had been writing uh, to make huh. sure that you're not a pedophile, because for some reason they feel the need to take that upon themselves. Hmm. It prevents you from mentioning animals, uh, mentioning kids in any way in a story, uh, mentioning the word melons in some contexts. It, it's very... Uh, it seems very boneheaded, and it seems like a weird thing to commit the company to. So, I, I'm, I'm disappointed, honestly. Yeah. I, I appreciate the intention of stop people from being pedophiles, but if it breaks your game for everybody else, too, I, I don't think it uh, quite yeah. works as you had hoped. It's just, it's just a shame. Yeah. Let's see. And was there any other news and booze other than the fact that Game Pass is now streamable on PC and console? Because I oh, thought yeah. about putting that in the news and booze, and then instead just, I just streamed a piece uh, from here. So, Go this, ahead, Chris. This is just from one hour ago. Wow. This is about an hour and 15 minutes ago. 
the 8-Bit Theater 20th Anniversary book uh, has funded. Nice. Which wasn't a surprise. It was already, but it's, it's officially done. Right, yeah. So Which the Kickstarter is over. They're going to start printing and all that. Yes. I really wanted to, like, get in on it, but it was like, the oh, I exploded. The buy-in <laughs> point was, like, high enough that I was, like, a little leery, and then I thought, this would be a really cool thing to own, but I would never actually read it. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because I'm like, I don't know, I very seldom read any kind of book. Like, I'd read the comics again. If it was a hardcover, or, or even just, like, you know, softbound book of the comics, I would totally have, have jumped all over that. I understand why they couldn't, obviously, with the copyright issues and all that, with Square Enix probably not being friendly with them. Uh, but, like, the actual script book, it, I think it's a super cool idea to bring as close to that as they can to life, but like, I read really, really slowly and I feel like this would be a really weird read, right? I don't like reading scripts. Like, as an actor, as a person who has worked professionally in theaters, I have read a lot of scripts, and I just don't like reading them. Like for It's not an enjoyable I, experience for yeah. you. Like, I like, like, getting into my character in them and, and kind of digesting how one character's lines work for the sake of, you know, the performance and all that. But... Like, just reading a script as light reading just doesn't click with me. It's like, it's weird. So I was like, this is a great idea, but again, I'm just, just never going to actually read it. But, glad to hear it's all funded. I, that. I, I, would, I would be happy to back Kickstarters if he was, like, hiring artists to release the original and in like almost like a manga format that would be cool actually with like yeah. the same story and all that uh redrawn or something you know that yeah. kind of thing that would actually but, be really cool i would totally yeah. buy that but he, he said he said the reason he didn't do that for this is because of how long that would take and i was thinking i'm all sure right, it would because legit 1200 pages of sprite comic would take for fucking ever to draw and illustrate and then it would be like thousands of pages long so it'd need yeah. to be like a series you'd need to like back each individual book or something yeah so I, but still i'd be happy to see something like that yeah definitely uh, so let's hopefully see. in the future, if uh, money ever works right for him, we would love to see that. If Brian Clevenger ever listens to this podcast and isn't like, these guys are idiots and have dumb ideas, uh... We are. That would be great. Yeah. I mean, for sure, but, you know. But he might not know that. That's why we sit around on Friday nights talking about video games and table talks and drinking beer. Yeah. Because that was a dumb uh, idea I had once, and Chris was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Well, let's see. Uh, we're done with news and booze here. Shall we go into our table topic? Yeah, sounds good, man. Let us off with All Sears Lair. Yep. Uh-oh. Eh, bad guys. There's lots of bad guys. Gotta try and, try and get out of here. This is probably awkward for the audio version. 
Anyway. <coughs> I died while I was playing the bagpipe, so I'm pretty sure I have to drink. Uh, that's that's the ah. standing rule, right? Drink when you die, even if you were playing the bagpipes. Ah, no. Nah. Yeah. It does and, occasionally uh, have like really big lag spikes, which is kind of awkward. Uh, but I mean, considering the stream quality in general, I think that's like it's fine. Pretty good. It's all right, you know, for a emerging technology like this. I'm still, like, impressed with overall what it's doing. Yeah. Um, let's see. Speaking of dying, uh, what are our best player character death stories? Yeah, I thought this would be a, a pretty fun, uh, little topic here, because I'm sure we've both had quite a few different player character deaths that would make for a good story. Uh, do you want to go first, or...? Uh, sure, I could go first. Alright. Uh, I was playing a Call of Cthulhu game, uh, where I had a character, uh, Elena Keatling, who had been to get some, uh, fungus spores in her brain that made her see, like, an illusory world. Cool. Uh, that was a bunch of trees... Uh, and giant monsters, basically. And uh, if you could see the world, you could interact with the world. But if you couldn't, then you didn't. Uh, at, so at some point, she got tied up in the backseat because the spores, if you got saw enough blood, you might also try to cannibalize other people, attack them and eat them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so she was tied up in the backseat and they were driving down a desert road, except in this to her, didn't look like a desert road. It looked like there were uh, like trees and bushes and everything along it. So the driver, not being possessed by these spores, drives straight through one of these illusory trees, and she's in the middle of talking to somebody when suddenly she smashes into this invisible tree and gets yanked out the back window in several pieces and flies along the back of the road. And then some of these other people who had been infected with spores and managed to successfully dodge death from invisible tree got out and started eating your corpse. Hmm. Neat. It's a... It was a very sudden death. Very unexpected at the time. Yeah, I would guess so. Yeah, um, the one that immediately came to mind, uh, for me was, uh, we were playing a Viking game, um, and I, uh, my character was, like, tanky as hell, and, uh, it was using some homebrew rules that our buddy Owen created, uh, for all of the classes, we were using homebrew classes, and one of 
uh, actually two of his classes I used were uh, kind of worked in concert together pretty well. Uh, so I I created a build that was all about like blocking hits for my teammates and intercepting damage and things like that. And so that was kind of my character was like, okay, so here comes you know some bad guy or another is gonna you know hit a the other guy, I've got all the hit points, so I'm gonna take the hit for him, you know, I'll jump in the way, and, uh, I would, I would also, like, give my, uh, buddies extra actions as part of my action, and sometimes I'd hold action and, like, oh, an enemy's attacking them, and I'll give them an extra action with my held action before they can attack, uh, so they can kill the enemy before they actually get the chance, or, or stuff like that. It was a, it was a fun character to play, his name was Hroth of Clan Garhal. Uh, my angry Viking man, um, and, uh, it was, a just a real cool character to play in general, uh, and he ended up dying doing exactly all that shit that I just said, because, uh, basically we ended up fighting a boss that was, oddly enough, another player character who had died and succumbed to, uh, some kind of frost sickness that turned him into like a frost zombie uh so it it was like a kind of an accidental boss <laughs> was one of the other player characters who had just died recently uh in the game and he came back and uh he had he had a build that was all about aoe damage and so he was raining frozen bolts of uh arrows uh from the sky all over the place and he could hit like wide areas or multiple targets all the time uh with his uh different arrow techniques and it was a really cool build as well um and he ends up like be turning into this frost zombie and trying to kill us and then uh he ends up shooting like a, a giant volley of arrows towards uh, me and one of the other player characters as our buddy Josh was playing um, and I uh, we were looking at the damage and kind of trying to figure out what we should do and the it was kind of high enough level and there was enough stakes at hand that the GM just kind of let us uh, you know a little more meta than we normally would go so we kind of sat there thinking about it for a minute and looking at all the damage numbers and all that and basically it would have put me at like negative eight or something if i had just stood there and taken it and it would have killed our buddy josh outright but instead i blocked the hit tanked the damage and i died instead of him because i was gonna be like almost did like probably would have died anyway uh you know just based off of being in negative hit points and all that so it's like i thought that was just a really cool way to go out was to uh you know get in the way of a enemy fire and and take the last arrows and then everybody else managed to survive that encounter because of that uh I think you were there for that one, Chris. I don't remember, though. You were in the campaign, at least. I don't remember. I was in the campaign. I think I missed that session. Ah, I think that was one, like, that was, there was a period of time when I missed two or three sessions in a row, and I think that was one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. But 
I remember I remember the story, and I'm like, that's it was both the tactically right decision to do, kind of, uh, and it was also <laughs> kind of the narrative, narratively right decision. To do. Yeah, because like, at the end of it, I was just like, I think this is what Hroth would have done anyway. This is what I built him to do, and this is the kind of character he is, that he takes the hits, and he protects the people who can actually deal damage well, because Hroth did not damage, like, barely anything. I think I literally only killed, like, one guy in the, that entire campaign, uh, as long as I was playing Hroth. My next character was uh, Ragalrog the Dragon Killer, uh, which was a, another fun character to play. But uh, he killed a lot of things because he'd come up and hit him with his wham-bammer. Not the first of your characters to have a wham-bammer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of the what my character. It's what my character would do, but you know, not used to justify shitty behavior. Right. Actually, used in like a good way. Yeah, every now and then that's, you know, it comes up. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Uh, fun when you're doing it for, you know, like, cool reasons. Yeah. Now, uh, let's see. I, I got... Real drive. I, I, I think... I think I've lost probably... Like an order of magnitude more characters than you have. Probably. Games. I haven't... I was trying to think, and I'm like, I'm sure I've lost a few. I feel like that's my most memorable death scene. Um, and I'm trying to think of another one, so... I'm I, sure I you've could... got several. Partially just because of the style of D&D that you play, also. Yeah, but, uh, even when we weren't playing that style, my characters died a lot. They did. Like, it was, a. Uh, it's, uh, uh, like, I'm kind of surprised my characters have started dying less often, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I kind of, I kind of want to, I'm like, maybe not a hard and fast rule, but for me, I think I'm just going to stick with, like, like, relatively permanent deaths. Right. Because, you know, raised dead's a thing in most versions of D&D. &D. Yeah. It kind of revitalizes a lot of things. Mm-hmm. We had a whole conversation uh, about it once, didn't we? Or did we? I thought about it. Uh, I think I think we had a conversation. I don't know. We've had a, had a lot of episodes of this show. We have. Did we tweet out that we're live? I did. I tweeted out that we were live before we were actually talking, when the audience may or may not have heard your voice behind the logo. <laughs> How many times did Anaimic die, just out of curiosity? <laughs> I think he died only five times. Right. But some of those deaths were just absolute chump deaths. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, we're fighting this big bad lich, and he just dies to lightning instantly. Let's see. Uh, I, I think he had one good death, and if I had stopped the character there and just rolled a new character, he had, he had one good death, and that was the first time he died. And if we had stopped the character there, if I had made, like, the executive decision been like, okay, and I'm a cat a good run, I think the character it would have been a great send-off for the character. And right. that was when he got possessed uh, and was about to attack his allies, and I 
said, Holy hey, God. can I resist this to take one action? And Owen's like, sure. And so I rolled, I think, a nat 20 on the will save, and I used it to seppuku myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was, like, a good send That would have been a good send-off. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, no, I'm enjoying playing him. Let's, let's play him some more. And the rest of his deaths were, like, uh, you know, absolute chump deaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, finishing off with the his own spell backfiring the uh, Everett's tentacles of forced infusion, which was giant an order of the stick thing at the time. Uh, I don't want to go into details, but I decided to retire the character. Yeah, <laughs> you, you don't need to go into details when you use a spell named uh, Spike Tentacles of Force Intrusion. Yeah. People people have imaginations. People have imaginations. Uh, that was more than a decade ago, I want to say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Anaimic was a... Anaimic could have had a better... Could have had a better send-off if I had just let him die the first time. Mm-hmm. See, uh, and because I have so many character deaths, I might steal one of your your rounds of going. Yeah, that's fine. Going to, let's see, I had a character named uh, Double at one point in the infamous Lives family and our my buddy Matt's game, so D and D game. Uh, and Double was a mage, and he had made it to level 3, which, because we were always starting over from level 0, and was incredibly lethal, it was like a big accomplishment. But okay. at some point, he managed to pick up an artifact, the Wand of Orcus, uh, and got into a dungeon where he... we encountered a monster that had, like, paralyzing vomit that was guarding like a hallway and he got spooked and he was like I want to deal with this let me see if I can use this wand this is his first time ever using this artifact wand uh, so he's like I want to cast I want to use this wand to destroy this creature because it has many different powers uh, but it's the wand of orcs it's very dangerous to use it has negative consequences depending on the power of the caster and the power of what you're attempting to do so he tries to insta kill this vomit kind of undead monster uh and gets fairly unlucky on the rolls and is ripped open and torn to pieces by orcs mm-hmm. uh and then orcs proceeded to rip that creature apart because that was the last thing he wanted it to do, and then turned around to go and run after his allies. Nice. Uh, it was very fortunate that the timetable for Orcus summoning was measured in rounds. That it got ruled that it was rounds instead of like hours or days or months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just enough rounds to make sure no one else died in that particular encounter. Mm-hmm. And then later that very same night, his cousin, his uh, brother, died to a rug. That was awful silly. What'd you do that for? The rug was a mimic. It ate the entire party. Nice. We wiped to a rug. We stepped. We all stepped on the rug. The rug came up with teeth and chopped all of us. And it killed the entire party. Sweet. 
I've never had a TPK. You never have, had you? I have never had a TPK, yeah. It's, uh... I feel like it seems like I would have by this point in playing D&D as long as I have, doesn't it? Let's... I feel like... General... I feel like the games we play in, characters are a Oops. little more durable. I accidentally ran over a Marine, and now the rest of them are trying to kill me. Got him. Whoops. <laughs> there, now I on purpose ran over three Marines, so... Okay, bye, guys. I suck at driving this Jeep. This is where I want my brother Babbitt to be here and... <laughs> drive the jeep for me. Let's see. Do you have any other good character deaths you can think of? I do have one. You were the DM this time. Ooh. Um, so, we were playing uh, one of your uh, more high lethality games, uh, which oh. seemed fine at the time, and I was, like, being relatively tactical and resourceful and Avoiding combat and all that, like you do to try and survive. I was playing a cleric. Um, and uh, I don't remember a ton about my character, but I remember just generally trying to be, you know, a goodish person and do the right thing. And, and we end up finding a ghost lady at this manor who's, uh, you know, wants to get, uh, get married or something. And uh, I was like, Okay, well, let's see here. She's haunting the whole place because she wants to get married. What if we just, like, if somebody loves her enough to maybe get married, then maybe she'll stop being such a haunting bitch. So I was like, all right, and I, I offered to marry her. And she said, okay, take my hand. And I took her hand and I died instantly because that's what happens when you touch a whatever spirit specter thing that was. Specters, specters are bullshit. So <laughs> they drain two levels on touch. Yeah, and it, we started at level one, so I didn't have two levels to drain. I think you made it to level two, which was what was kind of heartbreaking about that. Was Maybe I did make it to level two, yeah. Was because you right. had just enough levels for her to drain, kill you. Yeah. And uh, I was like, a lot like, of guys keep coming. Might yeah, have to I write a character death about Master Chief here. Nope, nope, I seem to be good. Alright, I'm a badass. Help back. Sweet. Yeah, so that was a kind of a, a bittersweet one because I was like, I did all the right things. And, and it killed me. I was a good person. And it killed me. So it was like, at the time, I was a little pissed off about it. But in retrospect, it's just like, it's one of those fucking things about how that kind of game works. And I'm like, it's still a cool story. I can't be mad anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've changed my philosophy personally a bit <laughs> on that, where I'm like, uh, and I've changed a lot of somehow the game system works, so I'm like, shouldn't be... One mistake shouldn't get you killed instantly. Mm -hmm. It should be, like, a series of fuck-ups. Yeah. Like, if you, like, lose an arm, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Mr. Vest of Armlessness over here. 
right? Was that the same campaign? That was uh, same same system, but I had updated uh, I had updated how the death tables worked mm-hmm. at that point. Right. And uh, let's see. Yeah, because I actually kind of like how you did the death and dismemberment table. Uh, yeah, and then it was uh, you got knocked unconscious. I think you were mostly okay, and then they decided to put a vest on you, and it removed your arms, because it was a vest of armlessness. Mm-hmm. Which is a thing that existed in that dungeon for some reason. Yeah. Luckily, somebody took it off me, eventually. Yeah. I think you tried wrestling an angel or something. With a vest of armlessness? No. That, or you got struck by lightning. Hmm. I don't remember what happened. Something ridiculous. It's more fun that way. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Other good character death stories. I do have one that wasn't the character's absolute final death. It, like, it should have been, but uh, the character managed to make it back for the finale due to extreme bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh... So it was another member of the infamous Lives family, Sable Lives. Uh, and the story is kind of the story is kind of a tragedy in that uh, another player's character decided to take over an allied town of ours after mm-hmm. we had already all had strongholds. And I said, "Well, cool that you know you did that. We did that, but uh, let's look at the consequences here and who's going to first face the consequences." And I point at the map. And my fortress is the closest to the large, like, city that is now suddenly uh, against us because, you know, we just invaded a town and took it over for no reason. Like uh, you do. So, so of course, um, they show up with a fuck-off huge army, uh, including, like, flying griffins and, like, hippogriffs. Like, and, and I want to say something like five gold dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the character Sable, whose place this was, it was her fortress. Uh, she says, "You know, I'm go- I'll go down fighting." Uh, so she gets she gets her uh, wizard cousin to turn her into a dragon and fly out and start attacking the troops. At which point, which point, uh, five gold dragons turn fire breath on her. Uh, and they deal their hit points and damage in terms of fire breath. Uh, and she's like an eighth level cleric. So yeah, dead instantly. Mm-hmm. No, no chance of success. It's turned to ashes. Uh, so that was a. It was like that was a pretty brutal death. That was, but that was fitting. And then her uh, wizard cousin came out and said, "I'd like to surrender now." Mm-hmm. Well, I got one more kind of interesting one that was not a player character death of my own, but I was DMing for. Uh, and then I think we could move on to our video game topic. Okay. Um, if, unless you have any last-minute ones you really need to sneak in. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can think of one. All right. Um, so I, had a, I have a Pirates campaign that I have run with 
the same group multiple times and with other groups a couple of times it's it's a recurring thing that I've, I've just kind of taken the base idea for it and used it a few different times in different groups with different group makeup and things like that. Just somebody wants to restart it in or, or play a different system, then I'll be like, okay, we'll restart the campaign, but we'll do it in 5e now or whatever when 5e came out. And, uh, so it's actually been running 3, 3.5, Pathfinder, Homebrew, 4, and 5 this pirates campaign which is which is a lot of systems um yeah uh and i'm so i'm i i rebooted this for a, another group at some point and uh in in one of the various times that some players have gone through this group one of the uh player characters decided to make a a big drug empire underground as part of their pirates thing like and was doing all sorts of micromanaging between sessions and stuff and it was a kind of a neat thing that they were doing and uh i thought it was like fine and it it it, it had fun ramifications even if it was like at times it was cumbersome on the campaign but uh later this player was not with us so i decided to just throw in a funny reference for the players that had been playing with them at the time and i put in this character and i put in references to oh hey there's an underground drug empire here and and i gave the uh player characters the you know chance to go buy a bunch of drugs if they wanted to or or something just as just as an easter egg basically i had no intention of doing anything else with this and one of our other players at that time just for some reason like really had some sort of vendetta against this the way that i presented this drug lord character and came up and like tracked down this drug lord in the town and and killed the other uh player character that i had just put in as an easter egg and and so it, it wasn't technically a player character at the time. It was an NPC based off of a player character. But I just thought it was so fucking silly that, like, just for, just out of nowhere, uh... Oh, that's how that works. Okay, so turn off the flashlight guy. There we go. Yeah, so... That was my last one, so if you got one more, we can... Get it in before we go. I suck with sniper rifles. Especially at close range. This is a terrible idea. Good thing I have an assault rifle. Eh. So yeah, you got any, any final ones? Uh, another non-permanent one, which is... It felt very permanent. Uh, not for reasons of character deaths, but because of what we lost from exploded, it, I and this heard. is one that is that happened fairly recently, and it also kind of still starts. But it was a uh, my very high-level character uh, named Cleaver mm -hmm. uh, encountered in, in my buddy's uh, dungeon, the Hundred Clones of Timothy the Wise. You can find that on Drive Through RPG. We encountered a certain uh, explosion, explosive tin. And he opened a pass wall into that Tim's roof because we we're hunting the Tims to get their soul marbles to sell for money. It's, you know, money experience, and we need we we need enlightenment. And he says, 
let's, uh, hey, let's go fight outside. And Cleaver says, fuck you, and throws a fireball into, well, uh, it's a bomb maker's house, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, he accidentally set off a nuke and wiped the party <laughs> and destroyed most of their magic items. And at this point, we all had, like, various levels of immortality mm -hmm. and that we could come back from deaths, but, uh, Losing, losing all those items put him a couple million golden debt to uh, everybody else. Nice. <laughs> so right. uh, when a bomb maker tells you, let's not fight in this house, listen. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> All right, and uh, let's move on to our video game topic. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Dance of the Desert Flower. All right. Oh, Victor. <laughs> I'm trying to shoot and play bagpipes at the same time. <laughs> you could always, you could always, uh, you know, pause. Yeah, there's no fun in that. That way, I might have, have I, 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 this way, I might have to drink. ended it differently than I normally do. If you didn't notice that, you have to drink. Also, I fucked up a couple of times, so I have to drink. Hey, uh, video game topic, and you, you wrote this one, so you gotta, you, you might need to go into a little more detail about it, but, uh, permadeath. Yay or nay? Yeah, um, so, well, I mean, permadeath in video games is, is a thing, right? Uh, and so I, I figured we could just talk more or less about the pros and cons of it, you know. Uh, do we think it's just a good thing generally, a bad thing generally, or is it situationally? Like, because I, I think it works for some games, it might not work for others. Like, if you had to have, play Halo with one life, that would kind of suck. Like, right, you, you die. Iron yeah. Man Halo. Yeah, Iron Man, like, like Demon Souls. It wouldn't work, you know? Death is a part Death of is, the experience. Yeah, that's part of how you, like, learn the game. So I don't think it's necessarily appropriate in every kind of thing. But at the same time, I think when it is implemented well, it can really enhance a game. Uh, make, you know, character death feel more important. Because uh, that's something that uh, I feel has been missing in modern Fire Emblem specifically because obviously Fire Emblem is a series that for a long time was known as oh this is a permadeath series because you lose a unit and they're gone forever until Fire Emblem 
Awakening gave you a toggle that you could turn that off. And I get, th I like that for accessibility to an extent, but I also feel like it devalues character death and like it makes the strategy not matter anymore in Fire Emblem specifically. Because like, if you can just, you know, come back with all your guys, you know, at full health in the next mission, then what was the point of, you know, what's the incentive to keep them alive in general, right? I feel like you are missing something if you play Fire Emblem with permadeath uh, off. Uh, let me see. Well, I do, I can think of one genre that really loves permadeath. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you probably already know what I'm going to say, but roguelikes. Uh -huh. Or ro and, and roguelites, if you care to differentiate, I don't really. Uh, but those games love permadeath. Those games are all about the permadeath. It's like, oh, you die, you go back to the beginning. You get to have like totally new experiences, and you get slightly better at the game. That's kind of the whole appeal of those games. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that almost doesn't feel like permadeath because of the way that it's implemented, though. Because, like, that's just... It's just got a different kind of progression. It's... You you don't progress specifically through... Because, like, theoretically, like, Crypt of the Necrodancer, for an example, is, like, four levels, basically. And once you go through all four, I assume that's the game, right? I've never uh, made it all the way through. That, like, and then there's, like, alternate characters and stuff, but yeah. Right, yeah. But... Exploding. But, uh, yeah, because of the way that you progress does not necessarily, is not contingent upon the same things as it is in, like, Fire Emblem, where it's all level-based. Uh, you get to save after every level, at least, right? And there's less levels. It's, it's got a different kind of progression, where every time you go through... If you do really well, you can get upgrades to make the next couple of times easier. And eventually, you've upgraded enough that you can go through all four levels and it might not completely kill you. And also, you're getting a different experience every time. So I'm not sure it's a good comparison. Uh, like, I, I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, it's like... It doesn't feel like permadeath to me. Nope. What I would say in response to that is most of the original roguelikes, and I mean like the proper roguelikes, like the old grid-based ones were, like they rogue? were true, yeah, like Rogue, mm -hmm. or you know, like NetHack or whatever, they were true, uh, you die, that's it, there's no upgrades, there's no like anything, it's just the game is over. There's, mm -hmm. no, there's not even like the consolation prize of, oh, maybe this time I'll get something that lets me do better next time. Right. You just learn more of the game. Yeah. So that's um, kind of fair, too. Uh, I haven't played a ton of roguelikes, so I'm, I'm coming from a little less of a knowledgeable perspective here. So I'll, I'll take your word on that. Because uh, I, I could see where that would be different if, you know, if that's the case. Also, can you imagine, like... Uh, I'm like, Iron Mode in a roguelike makes sense because at least you're, like... 
you're like learning the system, but you're experiencing new things. You're not yeah. you're not doing the same boring shit over and over again. Yeah. Uh, permadeath, and I'm like, and permadeath and Fire Emblem is, yeah, it's painful to lose like a unit, uh, but you're losing a unit, or in the worst, if you're really bad at the game, you're losing a whole bunch of units. Right. Uh, but you're not replaying the same boring stuff over and over. You're just kind. Of, you're you're still continuing as a player. Yeah. Um. So it it fun it at least functions in Fire Emblem. It's like at least an understandable design decision. Oh. In a game like Halo, it'd be like, oh, you died. All right, back to the stasis pod with you. That would just be boring. Yeah. You, you wouldn't learn anything new. You wouldn't be having new experiences. The game wouldn't be, like, harder or, like, tangibly changed for you of dying. You'd just be like, oh, they're padding out the fucking gameplay experience. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's the case with, what? What is it? It's, like, Super Ghosts and Goblins? Mm-hmm. Or, like, a lot of the original arcade games where the they were, like, quarter munchers? Yeah. All uh, right. You don't it's, have another quarter, then you have to start at the beginning. You got yeah, 10 seconds, of, you got your quarter ready. Uh-oh, it's in your those, pocket. Sorry, bro. A lot of those design decisions, the, the original permadeath design decisions were financially motivated, and then they just kind of carried through to, like, uh, console games. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, like, although now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, original Super Mario Bros. I, I feel like there is a not totally invalid argument for leaving something like that as like, oh, you lose all your lives, you go back to World 1-1, keep gr going. Yeah. Kind of stuff. But I'm also like, there's a reason that went away with modern game. And it's because after a while, you know World 1-1, you're not going to die there. If you die there, you're just going to hit reset and try again. Right. And same thing for like, uh, most of the early stages once you get used to them. It's like, you, you get good enough at the game that some of the early stages, it's just like, oh, this is boring now, because I know it. I know how to get through it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I, I still think, and I think, like, the challenge idea of permadeath makes it, like, not totally invalid design decision, but I think there are better ways of implementing a challenge gameplay style mm. that we, we've basically come across as games tend to develop, like Dark Souls or low roguelites or whatever. Yeah. It's make make the challenges new and interesting kind of thing as opposed to suck it up and keep tr suck it up you gotta go back to the you gotta replay you're punished you have mm -hmm. to go play the boring parts again yeah and no, I'm not even saying world 1-1 one, one is boring super in the original Super Mario Bros I'm just saying there's a certain point where you will have played it hundreds of times yeah like and you know me who's not all that great at platformers I have played world 1-1 one, one, a lot of times. Yeah, and once you've played World 1-1 that much, you're not learning anything new. Yeah. I don't come back to Super Mario Brothers a ton because of that. Stop walking in front of my gun, you morons. 
stupid ass marines. Oops. <laughs> I think I just shot a plasma grenade and killed like most of them. Man, these guys are stupid. I'm shooting here. Fuck darts. Um, I feel bad about killing them when they right? just run in front of your gunfire <laughs> and then start shooting at you. Yeah, apparently the AI in this uh, in Halo One is a little stupid than I remember. I don't remember them being smart though, so you know. Um, yeah. So one thing I'll say uh, for Permadeath specifically back to Fire Emblem again is that I think it can really enhance uh, characterization in some cases. Uh, I think being able to lose a character forever makes you kind of more emotionally attached to that character. You know, if you... Uh, sorry, it's hard to explain video game philosophy at the same time as fighting guys. But, um... How did I lose him? both just teleported away, I guess. I guess, yeah. They're, like, way the hell far away from where they started. They must have just, like, run. Shot him right in the ass. He wasn't using his ass. There, I shot that one in the ass, too. <laughs> I'm watching your YouTube stream, so I'm a few seconds by. Yeah. Uh, I think... I think you're on to something there, in terms of... Using, uh, being yeah, because especially like, like being able to lose characters, like it gives you this attachment that you want to protect them, you want to keep them alive, and like without that, it's like, oh yeah, I could like at that point you can play it more like. Uh, there's actually a really good scene in about this in Fire Emblem Awakening between one of the characters and Robin. I'm trying to remember the other guy's name. But uh, he introduces Robin to the game of chess. And Robin, being the tactician, you'd think, oh, the tactician will, will be really good at that. But the first several games, uh, Robin gets his or her ass kicked, depending on which, you know, Robin you pick if you're playing a guy or chick. You get your ass kicked by this guy. in this. It's basically in a support conversation. And... Uh, he explains that uh, Robin's like, oh man, I'm such a crappy tactician because I, I let, you, you know, you're tactically, you're superior to me. You keep beating me. And uh, the other guy's like, well, look at my side of the field. I sacrificed like almost all my pieces because I didn't care about them. I think you're the better tactician because you lost far fewer pieces, even though I won the game. And that's the kind of thing that I, I think this actually goes into, like, playing the series on versus off of permadeath, uh, is like... Narrative presence or some silly set of words like that. Yeah. It's like, I am totally on board with, like, uh... You died. Just getting used to... Uh, or, or, like, liking your characters enough to keep them alive and getting used to 
playing tactically well enough to keep all of your favorite ones alive. And, and like, I get to the point where, like, sometimes in the later stretches of long Fire Emblem games, like, there'll be, like, hour-long missions and stuff. Uh, even, like, larger than that sometimes. And if I have a character death in one of those, I'll be, like, I'll just, like, pause and, like, reflect on myself as a person and be, like, holy fuck, one of my favorite characters just died. I could reset the game right now and replay this hour-long mission, or I could let them have this kind of cool death scene that they had wherever it was. Uh, and I, I feel like both of those are good in their own way. Uh, but with my... I've, I've had times where I have reset hour-long missions and replayed, you know, two or three times because I fucked up right at the end of the mission like a dumbass. Uh, and I, I'm sure it will happen again with more Fire Emblem games in the future. Um, it's just like, I care about my units enough that, like, I, I want to keep them around. And I feel like if you don't have that attachment to the units and the characters, I don't know that Fire Emblem would be as good, because the best thing about Fire Emblem is the characters and their various interactions. I just no-scope that bitch. I'm fucking great. Yeah, you can get two people married and then you can watch one of their spouses die. It's, uh... Yeah. <laughs> one of those games. Uh, I would say... I would also say another... Not uh, Fire Emblem specifically. Because Fire Emblem's kind of famous for doing what it does. Mm -hmm. For having the permadeath. Or at least it was. Um, but I would say... Uh, CRPGs uh, used to be uh, kind of the 90s CRPGs were uh, very good about ha they, they had varying degrees of success with permanent dirt and I think in games like uh, like Fallout and Fallout 2 implemented permanent character death pretty well mm -hmm. that it's like because uh, so you had your main character right and yeah. it's just he was just like you got to choose his dialogue options or whatever but you could have up to so many follower characters and they would each have individual personalities and you could talk to them and all have like lines of dialogue and you, you you could like get attached to them and they could die and if they died they were dead permanent uh yeah. you could reload your save uh but then you'd have to go back you could uh and some characters were notoriously difficult to keep alive in certain areas like dog meat and fallout would usually die to the force fields and the and a certain part of the game just because you couldn't control him and stop him from running through like damaging force fields uh -huh. um, so so unless you like really went out of your way to keep him alive he'd usually die there mm -hmm. uh, and it, it would suck it would be like a punch to the gut uh but when those characters died even if your character was all alone, you were kind of... The game was built so you could go through it, like, solo. It was kind of an expectation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the game is about being, like, alone or abandoned. So I feel like, narratively, it works out pretty well, and gameplay-wise, it works out pretty well. And then you have, I think, implemented worse in a game like Baldur's Gate, mm -hmm. uh, where if a character got jibbed, like it's 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 D and D based, so there's like raised dead. But if a character got jibbed, they could just be permanently dead. Like you couldn't raise them, mm -hmm. and 
you only had a limited number of NPCs you could add to the party, and the game was kind of built with the expectation that you would completely fill up your party. Mm -hmm. uh, so, permanent death was often just, oh, I am going to re that's, like, the right decision. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, we need a thief for this area, and my thief just died, so I have to reload. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise we can't Otherwise, we can't deal with traps. Oh, right. we lost our mage. Uh, gotta reload. Oh, we lost our cleric. Gotta reload. I'm not uh, sure I like that design philosophy. I, I think on that the was basis a of. Uh, I think I don't that think was there should be a correct way to play a game. I I think if there is a correct way to play a game, it should be. If you have, if you're like, this is the correct way to play the game, you should make it so that the game can only be played that way. You shouldn't make it so you right, continue yeah. along playing it in some incorrect way that doesn't make it work out. And it's not impossible to beat the game solo. It's just really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. You really be you benefit very strongly from having multiple characters. And if you're like some crazy, like a fighter, mage, thief, multi-class, you can make it work because then you're filling all of the required roles yourself. Uh -huh. Uh but that's not the default. Uh, so, I, I think it was implemented... I think, despite as much as I like Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2, I think permadeath is implemented in kind of a weak way. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my character got insta-gypped, I got a real... It's like, and they're like, interest. And I think if you could hire just infinite sets of mercenaries, you could be like, oh, these characters died, but I can, like... You can get Go a back. new, hire a new rogue when you get back to town or something. I, I think that would, I think that would fix that issue. You could be yeah. like, you would like, I kind of want to do not Iron Man, but like accepting permanent death mm -hmm. kind of run. Um, it would make that more feasible. Mm -hmm. What do you Let's think see. about uh, permadeath as a hard mode? Uh, I think it's fine as, like, an optional thing. It's like Minecraft, Iron Man mode, right? Uh, hard, hardcore mode. Or, yeah, I was know, thinking what? of uh, whatever it was called. It was called, was it called hardcore mode on Diablo 2? Uh, it was called something like know. that. And it was like, yeah, that was the big difference is, like, first of all, you got your normal difficulties of, like, uh easy, normal, and hell. Uh, and then, if you're on... I think it was called Hardcore, and if you're on Hardcore, it was like, hell difficulty plus permadeath. So if your character ever dies, uh, it would keep a record of your character in the game, but you couldn't ever load it again. Uh, unless you were a, a cheaty-faced bitch and just, like, went in and, and backed up your save file before you went in, which... I found out later that my brother did and would, like, back up his save file, so when he died, he could just, like, put the backup save file into the save file to load from in the in the game files. So... Oh, why, uh... <laughs> I'm like, what's what's the why, point why of play not hardcore, just... Though? Yeah, I was like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, uh... 
Is that Dan? Should, should I make fun of Dan here? I feel like it was Dan. It might have been my brother Josh, but I feel like it was Dan. Okay. All right. I just want I just want them to know I, I should mock them. Yes. Ha-ha. Uh, you are mocked. Ha-ha. You are mocked. But uh, hardcore mode and, like, Diablo is kind of the net, one of the heirs to the roguelike genre. In that yeah. It has kind of the random generation and, like, loot tables and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that you add the hardcore mode in because that's all you need it to be, like, a roguelike. Yeah. And then having, like, a permanent world record on top of that, where it's like, oh, your character died, but they still had, like, an impact in the world. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, because you can see, like, what equipment they had and uh, what level they were and all that. And so, like, you know, you can, like, brag about it. Like, oh, yeah, look at my hardcore character. He's dead now, but I got him all the way to level, you know, 80 or 90 or something. If you're a, some kind of a crazy person. I don't think I got any of my regular characters up to 80 or 90. I think my highest one was, like, level 60 or 70. I, I don't I don't even fucking remember anymore. It's been so long since I played Diablo 2. Speaking of permanent deaths, uh, and I feel like this would be what I'd want to close out on, unless you have a lot more you want to say on this, mm-hmm. uh, would be, did you ever play the game You Only Live Once? I did. Once. Uh, <laughs> so this was like a Flash game back Yeah, back in, in the Newgrounds days. I mean, Newgrounds is still there. Uh, I have a new computer now, so I think I could try again without... I, somebody told me, like, if you reset all your uh, cookies or something, then you could... You, could you can play it again. Try but again. Kind of go, but, yeah. goes against the spirit of the... It does, game. so I never did. I was like, well, no, I, I died. It's so, told me I only live once, so now I'm, I'm dead. I, I can't go again. So <laughs> we should... Uh, so to fill in, you only live once kind of builds it. Originally started as, like, a... It was like kind of a Mario-esque platformer game where you have like a short intro cutscene where you're like, oh, your your girlfriend's been kidnapped by King Lizard. I, I think that was actually his name was King Lizard. And, I remember your girlfriend but, was kidnapped. I don't remember the bad guy. <laughs> uh, and so he says, I'll, I'll fix this if it's the last thing I do. And then he runs in and uh, however... and. You can die like you would do in, like, a Mario game. I think you have some amount of hearts before you die. But once you die, that's it. And anytime you reload the page, it's just more cutscenes of, like, things that happen after your death. Right, it's like, yeah. uh, it's like, oh, your girlfriend call, uh, calls 911 because you fell in a pit and she sees that your corpse is, like, splattered on the ground. Oh, yeah. uh, they're arresting King Lizard because he didn't build his, uh, this castle to be OSHA compliant. <laughs> and it's like, and then there's just like uh, them having your funeral service, and then it's just like your gravestone with flowers on it, and then it's like the flowers are off. And it's it's kind of is really funny. It's like yeah, it's a it, it's one of those things that's worth playing the once because really you should only play it the once. Yeah, I think because you only live once. That's that's literally the name of the game, right? Yeah. You, you only live... So, and you can beat the game. It is possible. I watched a... I did watch a YouTube video of someone beating the game, and the ending is very... It's very similar in that you can't, like, restart the game from that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... It's... And you, you can get different endings depending on how you die or if the game. Mm-hmm. But 
you're only gonna you're supposed to only see those once. It happens and then uh die. And that's it. You don't get another chance. Yeah. Maybe I'll try again on stream sometime. I'll stream yeah. it for like five minutes before I die. If if I last yeah. that long. Because <laughs> I'm not I'm not a great platformer or plat It may have been a flat it English? may have also oh. been a flash game. So I'm not sure if you can even play it anymore. Yeah. Do I still have Flash installed? Uh, well, it's Flash is deprecated on pretty much every major browser now, so it won't. No browser is going to run Flash pretty much. Huh. So, uh, I will. You only live once. I'll load up Newgrounds sometime and and see what I can do. Uh, okay. Yeah, because I I don't know. I haven't. I have literally not even thought about Newgrounds. Exi I have one literal bullet. Literally one bullet. This is bad. I need a new gun. <laughs> My sniper rifle is not doing it for me. That's a word. But, yeah. Um, I had something else to say, but now I don't remember what it was. So, yeah. Permadeath. It sucks when you die. Don't do it. Yeah. But, uh, it, it, I think it can make for, you know, a compelling mechanic, depending on how it's implemented. Yeah, I think, uh, I think in the right kind of game, and implemented in the right way, permadeath can make things more interesting as opposed to being like, oh, you lost, go to, go to the beginning again, uh, fuck you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. The only thing I was going to say uh, is, uh, if back to the hard mode idea, I was wondering if you'd ever do, like, a, a Nuzlocke or anything like that, like how people do with Pokemon, where they're like, go through Pokemon, and uh, if your Pokemon faints ever, then you have to release it. Then you also have to, uh, you can only cast, catch the first Pokemon you find in any region. Yeah, so it's like, you only have a certain amount of Pokemon, it's kind of random. You probably won't get the best Pokemon, because like, you can't farm for them. Uh, which, uh, I think the same kind of thing about Fire Emblem would apply here, where it's like, you know, if those were the Pokemon that you used for, like, most of the game, and then they fainted against the Elite Four, that'd be devastating, right? You'd be yeah. totally emotionally invested in them, so. I, I think if I played a Nuzlocke, uh, I, I don't think I would play a Nuzlocke, because I think the way I would play a Nuzlocke would be I would just grind my Pokemon to the point where it was, like, 20 levels above what it should be at that point in the game, so that it just had almost no chance of dying. Mm -hmm. uh, and just play really overcautious, and that just doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Yeah. So, I don't think I would do that because, and I, I'm aware there's people who play the challenge, and they're like, they play it uh, they, they probably play it in, like, a less cautious way. Yeah. But. Yeah, I don't know. I've never played a Nuzlocke, so I'm not 100%. And I, I, I know, like, some people who have, but I've never really talked to them much about it, so. Yeah, all right. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of the podcast, does it? Uh, yeah, I think it does. Yeah, wow. Oh, gosh, I almost got hit by that guy. 
Um, yeah, so uh, thank you for joining us. As always, I'm your host, Spamoman. You can catch me on the Twitter or wherever you want to catch me. Probably here or on the Twitter, because those are the places where I usually am. Um, we're also on Facebook. I, I actually remembered to post the podcast on Facebook this week, uh, which I don't normally do. But uh, yeah, so uh, check us out uh, in either location. Uh, we are on the Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. I always post about the podcast. Chris always posts about the podcast. Follow him on Twitter. Um, and of course, you can follow us on YouTube, uh, Podbean, or uh, Apple Podcasts. So check us out. We're the coolest. Just the coolest. And this is my co-host. Hi, ah, it's me. The guy there. I wrote some stuff. Find it on DriveThruRPG. I also have a co-author who wrote some stuff that you can find there. And also on itch.io. I'm not going to go into more detail. Yeah, check out Chris. Search Five Cataclysms on DriveThruRPG and itch.io. Really hard to fight these guys with a sniper rifle in close quarters. I would not want to fight those guys with a sniper rifle. I would not want to fight those guys. I'm not much of a fighter there. Is this the final segment of the podcast? Uh, this is the final segment of the podcast, which if you're just joining us for not the... If, if you haven't figured it out, uh, our final segment of the podcast is always just uh, babbling about inane bullshit until somebody says something really awkward. So, uh, yeah. I'm flying. These guys are not dying. What else do they have? That much. That is... Ah, I punched that one and he died. I'm so great. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, fuck yeah. They killed him. Yeah, alright. That's good enough. Um, so yeah, uh, my, my impressions here on, uh, Halo streaming is actually pretty good. Uh... Just, I, I guess we can go through that again. Uh, now that I've played it for, you know, an hour and a half, uh, I got more of an idea. It does just randomly have a big-ass lag spike sometimes, which is kind of annoying, but, like, the fact that I'm streaming this game, I don't have to have it downloaded. And this is... I, I picked Halo specifically because, A, I know this game like the back of my fucking hand, and, except apparently where to go in this level, because I was wandering around in circles for a lot of it, but um, uh, mechanically, I'm, I'm very familiar with Halo, and also, it's uh, fast-paced enough, and you have to be precise enough in certain uh, areas to do really well, uh, you know, when you're sniping and all that, uh, and that's a particular places where I've had a lot of trouble streaming on my phone is when you have to get the real uh, uh, precise shots and on a hardwired computer uh, I feel like that's easier to line up all those shots I feel like I was getting them more consistently uh, like when by pistol in that first couple of levels uh, I felt like I got headshots on grunts just you know with relative ease sometimes other times it was like I feel like the connection is uh, not as stable as I would like it to be uh, for this, or the latency is not as consistent as I would like it to be. Because if it was, uh, like, there were times when I would go a decent chunk and just not think about latency at all. Uh, and then there was also times going through that uh, I was like, yeah, okay, I could tell that it's it's hard as shit to snipe with this latency here. Uh, so, 
I'm generally just impressed by uh, the technology, and I think in the coming years it'll get even more smooth and it'll get even better. Uh, you know, as technology just improves, because that's what technology does. So um, I'm very excited for the future of video game streaming. If this is anything we have to go by, this was good for what it was. Uh, there was uh, some very noticeable resolution dips throughout, but it didn't, it didn't have any slowdown. So I'm usually okay with a resolution dip instead of slowdown. Uh, it was it was a lot more noticeable here than on my phone, but that might be because I got you know a a big ass monitor here, whereas my phone is is you know eight inches across. So it's just like you can't really tell the difference between 540p and 720p on a phone screen because it's small. The pixels are small, so uh, I don't know exactly how much. I feel like the resolution dips were the biggest problem, and the, and the random lag spikes. Uh, were the problem with the PC version of this. Uh, so, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I, I'm going to drink this beer. That's good beer. Now, Chris is just, like, shifty-eyed, looking around. Shifty-eyed? Yeah. You got to look out for those shifty eyes. Have you ever had tonkatsu ramen? Um, yes. I don't uh, remember I, exactly what I, I, style tonkatsu is. It's, it's got pork in it or something. It's like chicken and pork and sardine broth, and I had that for the first time tonight. It's pretty uh, good. It was like, I was like, it's pretty good. I, I don't yeah. think I'd have it again, because I feel like it's kind of a waste on me, someone like me. I had uh, this place the other uh, day. It's called the Asian Cajun. It's a uh, fusion place and i had some cajun ramen which is like it's got like a like a miso style broth but it's got like cajun seasonings in it which was pretty good and then it's got like the japanese style pork slices the ramen obviously Uh, pork yeah yeah and um and then it's also got uh shrimp and uh Cajun sausage and crawfish. Oh. And it was like, I never would have thought to make this shit, but it was fucking awesome. There's like a lot of, I guess there's like a lot of experimental ramen places around here. Probably. There's another Asian fusion place I saw that opened where they used to have this little Chinese buffet I used to go to a lot as a kid. Um, and I've thought about checking them out but they're in like it seems like it should be a good location but it's i don't think it's a good location because it's like it's close to everything but it's like back behind like a a giant like shopping center with uh the grocery store and a gas station and a mcdonald's and all this and it's like just back like half a block on the same street so it's like just out of the way enough that it's obscured and difficult to find unless you know exactly where that is anyway food is yummy the secret ramen shop yeah 
that used to be well actually in the middle it was also like a, a sports bar place of some sports sort. bar and a ramen place what, what what was it it was some kind of tavern or something i want jock vomit in my ramen <laughs> 